We are in a series on uh, getting real with Jesus, and I've been walking us through the uh, seven churches in the book of Revelation. I don't know if you've read that. Just, just read the first three chapters of Revelation. It'll, it'll give you an idea, but we're uh, in an expository way walking through this. The church of Pergamum just happens to be the church that we're dealing with today. And um, I want us to get right into this teaching. Uh, and I'm going to talk about getting real with Jesus. We've used a scripture, Matthew 16 and 18. How many have read this scripture before? Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many believe that's the truth? Anybody believe that? Amen. Today... I want to preach about the church at Pergamum from the, this title, A Church Worth Fighting For. Everybody shout that. A Church Worth Fighting For. And we're looking at Revelation chapter 2 and verse 16. And this is a portion of a scripture, and I will enlarge upon it in a moment. But this is the way the scripture reads. Uh, the Lord says, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So we're going to discover some things about what that is. Uh, I already mentioned, when we've been talking about Veterans Day, and I'm so grateful for those who decided at one time in their lives that the, that the freedoms that we possess as citizens of this nation are worth fighting for. But I don't think I would be taking away from that uh, and what we have already done this morning. We're so grateful for our veterans. I'm also grateful for, for veterans uh, right here at Freedom Fellowship. Can I go there? You want me to go there? Hey, did, did you see when the uh, Hugs Ministry uh, ran up, I did not know that they had chosen Jan as their spokesperson. All right, I did not realize that. I saw Jan standing there holding a piece of paper. Jan doesn't usually hold a piece of paper. I think she's probably, out, she's probably outside that door right now uh, working the side entrance. She's done that for years. Uh, that's been her station. Uh, She's worked out there, worked with Jill out there for a long time. Uh, and as I was uh, thinking about that, isn't it nice to have some veterans of Freedom Fellowship? You know what I'm talking about? Individuals that years and years ago signed up. Come on. And they have stood the test. And, and you know, I, I, I see some of you sitting right back there. And I'm just really, really grateful for people who haven't quit, people who keep going. You know, I've got individuals that I could speak of, you know, and I always like to talk about Tootsie. I mean, Tootsie's got testimony uh, of all the things that the Lord has done, but she is, she's our, she's our longest running veteran right now, but I see Randy sitting back there at the back, and Randy was here before, come wave at me, bro, Randy, he's all the way back there. Randy was here before I showed up, all right? That makes him a lot older than me, all right? And uh, so... Uh, folks like that, and you know, you go upstairs and you see those kids' ministries and how faithful they have been, but uh, one of the individuals uh, on the Freedom Kids Chaos ministry team, <laughs> that's funny, anyway, uh, Carol Jordan, anybody seen Carol up there before? Uh, she's got a couple sons right back here, are old as dirt themselves, you know, I mean, uh, but... Uh, 
but Carol has been working in kids ministry for years and years. Am I right, John? Oh, John's back there too. I mean, John has been at this church longer than I have. When I was the worship minister here in the, in the mid-80s, John was here playing the drums here and singing. With me. I was thinking the other day, John, I miss your singing, man. That guy can sing right there. He, he, is, he is smooth when he sings. He's all, always been smooth. I'm just grateful for individuals that, that have been with me. Freedom is a good church. And here's what some of us would say. Am I right, Dave? Freedom is a church worth fighting for. It is. It's a, it's a church. Dave was here when I moved here, too. He's one of the elders. Wave at us, Dave. Right there. Right there. Dave, David Higgins, right there. People who have been here for a long time. But then over the last several years, I got veterans who've been here for 5, 10, 15 years. You know, folks who've just been serving diligently and faithfully year after year. I mean, uh, Keith's back there working on the computer, you know, working tech. Uh, Keith joined the church before we ever had computers that needed to be ran, all right? And uh, he and Danielle uh, and Drew sitting next to him, he and, Tam, uh, he and his wife Tam, they've been coming. I don't know how many years you've been here now. 15 plus years and uh, uh, running the tag. I'm just really grateful for folks. Anybody just grateful? Because I know I'm missing folks. I mean, there's all kinds of you. I could go on and on. But freedom is a church. We would say, why are you still here? It's worth fighting for. Amen? It's worth fighting for. Uh, it's a great church. Just in saying that, let me just go back and hit some dynamic issues of Freedom Fellowship. Freedom is, just let me give you a little statement. Freedom is a dynamic, spirit-filled, and diverse church family. How do you like that? Would, would you say, how many would agree to that? It's, di it's dynamic. Somebody say amen. It's, it's spirit-filled. Somebody thank God we welcome the Holy Spirit here all the time. People say, I don't know if I want a church that has the Holy Spirit. Then you don't want the church. Because, amen? Because the church was birthed through the Holy Spirit. And we're diverse. Aren't you glad that you can come to a church on freedom and it is not a segregated community? Aren't you glad that it's impossible to be racist and come to Freedom Fellowship? Because you will not be comfortable, all right? And somebody praise God for that, all right? We're diverse also generationally. Uh, and you saw that in our worship today. Some people were looking for Emory. Uh, Emory is, it has a special project. He had had this plan for some time. Uh, and uh, Well Media Group, I believe, is where you can go and see it. But we're talking about some really powerful music that he's working on today. Gets this just one day they get a shot to do this. So I said, that's okay. We got plenty of worship leaders and send him on down the road. No, that wasn't nice. But, uh, but did you notice that? Matt and Katie Lynn, I'm so thankful that the Lord sent you guys here. I'm just so grateful. I mean, what great ministry you guys provide continually. And what a great community you have here. I'm just so grateful for people who, the diverse community, generationally we have people that are older, people that are younger, just a load of people in those, you know, those young adult years. Somebody thank God for that. And all kinds of kids. Uh, so, but something else that I'd like to say is, we are family. Amen? We love each other, and we serve the world. We love God. We love each other. We serve the world. We're making disciples. But when I say that, we're family. That's a big part of what the heart of Freedom Fellowship is. We're a freedom family, amen? We're, we're family. We're brothers, and we're sisters. Uh, when I say that, uh, it reminds me of just my own family experiences. I have a, I have a, good, a great family. I have a tight family. My, 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 uh, my dad, uh, I, you know, this Christmas I'll get to see uh, my brothers again, all of my brothers, my brother John, Dan, 
and Kelly and my dad will be there, all of their kids, and loads of grandkids will be there. And, but I remember I learned early. I don't know if you learned earlier in your life. Some, some of this might bring up wounds for you because maybe you didn't experience this. But I was the youngest of three brothers for the first 10 years of my life till that other brother, no, till my, my youngest brother showed up, who I love dearly. But uh, uh, we lived in a neighborhood which seemed like a nice neighborhood. But, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. Bullies will show up. Did you know that? They will. And, and uh, if you're bully here, I love you. I'm after you, all right? But uh, uh, my brother, uh, John, stuck up for me one day. I'll never forget that moment. You know, we were just outside playing. There were some kids in the neighborhood who saw that I had a new little red hat. It was a cute hat. It was a good hat. It was like a patrolman hat, you know? It had a little bill on it like I was a police officer. And they stole my hat. Stole my hat. They shouldn't have done that because I, I, I was only like four years old. And they stole my hat. And my brother John, who was like six years old. Anybody remember when six was like old? Anybody remember that? Six. I'm old. He just took them all on. He said, you give my little brother's hat back. They were taking it and tossing it back and forth. Wouldn't give it back. I should have just. But, but John said, you give him. And they said, I won't do it. What are you going to do? And one of them started to throw a punch at my brother John. And John wasn't a fighter. We just, he, he, just, he just put his hand out like that. And it caught him right in the nose. And his nose started bleeding. <laughs> he was, they gave me my little red hat back. <laughs> anyway, okay. And, and my brother John, I'm telling you, today, John uh, would fight for me. All right? Don't mess with me. I will call my big brother Johnny. I will. All right? He would fight for me. But I wouldn't have to call him because you're here as well. I wanted an amen right there. I just want. You're here as well. And we're family. Come on. We are family. We fight for each other. And, and, and when I say that, let me just ask, can I count on you? Yes. Can I count on you to be family? Can I count on you? Come on. Lift your hand if you would fight for me. All right? And you would fight for one another. Okay, just stay right there. I just want to get a picture. Okay, there we go. All right. All right. Put your hands back up. All right, there we go. There we go. All right. All right, there we go. All right, standing up. There we go. Now, because I, I need it. Sometimes you take a picture because anybody, anybody can write something down. Now I got your picture with your hand up. Today our focus is on my, I love my church Sunday is a church worth fighting for. I want you to look at Revelation 2 and 16. Again, I will soon come to you and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And we've used this football theme this morning, I, some of them actually wore jerseys running down uh, as, as they came forward. Uh, I actually saw a baseball jersey. Did you see Rodriguez? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and how many, anybody wearing a jersey, if you're around the room and you're wearing a jersey, stand up. Okay, just stand up. Everybody stand up. All right, there you go. Let's hear it for people wearing jerseys today. All right, you can sit back down. Uh, Here's the thing about jerseys that's weird, that I, on occasion, I, I've got a, a, you know, a few jerseys, and I'll put them on, and I'll wear them, and uh, you'll look real pretty, but I want you to know that you're not wearing those jerseys right, okay? You're not wearing them correctly. If you were wearing them correctly, you would have something like, let's see if I can make this thing work here. Yeah, there we go. Something like... 
All right, going on. All right, because really, they're designed. These are kind of small, I think, but. Come here, Ed. Slap me on the shoulder right there, okay? All right. Slap me right there. Boom, okay? That didn't hurt me at all, bud. Okay? All right? All right? Because some of, some of us, our jerseys are cute, but if you don't have anything underneath it, come on. If you don't have anything underneath it, it's just a jersey. So one of the problems we have in the church sometimes is we think just because we're dressed pretty that we've got the enemy intimidated. Come on. It's nice to dress up. It's good. But if you don't have anything to back that up, you know, because so you understand as the church, as the church of the Lord Jesus, as his church, you need to understand that uh, you're in a battle. And uh, if you're in a battle, you need to be properly prepared. And part of it, first of all, is just having the understanding that just because you say that you are the church, you're automatically in the battle. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. You might say, well, you know, I said it. I got some stuff going on. I, I understand that. You need to get something underneath your proclamation. You need something more than just a shirt that says Freedom Fellowship. And you know nearly everybody at Freedom here has two or three t-shirts. Am I right? Somewhere. I see Yvonne wearing her Freedom is Family shirt right there. You know, you, we wear those things. But I, I, what I'm saying is you put on pads because it's, it's a violent thing. I'm saying there's a battle going on and we are on the front lines of what God is doing on the planet. The, the church, all of these churches that we mentioned in the book of Revelation, all of these churches, you'll notice that they're struggling. You say, why did they lose their first love? You know, why have they got some compromise going on? And I'm going to tell you that the enemy wants to destroy you. Now, if you're not a part of the church, you really need to get some pads on. Because you're basically running around naked without any protection. Football players don't wear helmets to look tough. They put them on to protect their brains. How many could use a spiritual helmet on occasion? In Paul's letters to the church in Ephesus, we spoke of this a couple of Sundays ago. Let me see if I can get this thing off. I did. There we go. I don't think I can preach the whole sermon in that. That would just make me feel weird. Uh, in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, which we spoke a couple of Sundays ago, he said, I want you to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So in Ephesians, when we hear the scripture, uh, it kind of reminds us that we're involved in a little bit more than we might like to be involved in. Now, if you know me, you know that I love... I love the Ohio State Buckeyes. I, I was raised in Ohio, and if you're a Michigan fan, I love you in the Lord Jesus. Okay? I do. I do. And you're welcome to this church. Okay? And anyway, that sounds kind of weird. That's kind of fun. Uh, the, the Buckeyes this year have had some struggles. Uh, defensive leadership they've struggled with. They opened the season with a coaching controversy. But here's the truth, Okay? I prefer it when the team that I'm rooting for wins, but sometimes they don't. And I, choose some, I chose some time ago that football is football. It is not life. Can I get an amen from somebody? 
Basketball is, it is not life. Now, you can get some lessons from life from it. It's not what my eternity is made of. But the church, and the church that's called Freedom Fellowship that you're in today, the church worldwide, my faith, the kingdom of God, it's not only worth fighting for, it's worth dying for. I'm going to say that again. It's worth fighting for, and it's worth dying for. And please don't be confused. We love our picnics and our joyful gatherings, but this is a battle. Even our pizza parties, underneath them all is a battle that's going on. We're doing warfare for the next generation, fighting to build relationships. We're trying to stay united. We have gatherings, relational gatherings. They say, well, why, why do you serve food at all the gatherings? Because people like to eat. Jesus, really, anybody remember the Sermon on the Mount? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember Jesus tearing up bread and passing it out to everybody? They were hungry. He wanted them to stay. They needed relationship. So that's where I want to hang my hat this morning as we talk about this third of the seven churches. This is the church that Jesus is fighting for, and we're going to clarify our text as we read this letter uh, to Pergamum, Revelation 2. 12 through 17, to the angel of the church at Pergamon. That's the messenger. That's the pastor he's talking about. These are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live. <laughs> Love that. Where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will give some of the hidden man. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Amen. So let's, let's look at this. We have some fighting words here. And uh, here's, here's the lessons. Uh, just three quick lessons. One, the church must fight for its faith. Amen. The church must fight for its faith. Now, you're going to have to hear me on this. I'm fighting for my faith. No, no. We don't realize that it's a struggle, all right? He says... I, he says, I, he, first of all, he says, I, I, he says, I have a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Uh, I love where he says, I know where you live. Look at somebody who says, I know where you live, okay? <laughs> I, know, I know where you live. That's, that's like a threat, isn't it? Hey, hey, don't mess with me. I know where you live. Uh, Preston. Uh, you've heard him tell this story before. I've told it before. But when he was a little boy, we were down uh, 64th Street on the ocean front, and he got lost. He was, uh, what was he, four years old? He got lost. He just walked away, you know, paying attention. He was in red trunks. I remember that. And I told everybody. It was a very, I won't go into the whole story, but it was a very, very frightening ordeal as a parent uh, to stand at the ocean front. And then, you know, I saw some people standing in a, in a group standing in the water and I thought dear God and I ran down to the busted in they were looking at a horseshoe crab and 
trucks, and I'm looking for the little boy in red swim trunks. He's about to stall. Find him. I went to every blanket. I didn't care. I just, I just, I imposed myself on everybody because I wanted to find my son. All right, and I did eventually find him. Uh, somebody ran down because the word had gotten out. He was at somebody's house who had found him, who was lost. He was uh, getting ready to drink. He was drinking some orange juice, getting ready to get in the pool. They had a pool in their backyard. And uh, they had already called the police because Preston knew where he lived. Can I get an amen? amen? He knew what was going on. Listen, Jesus knows where you live. It's very important that you know what's going on. You need to be aware. Some of you don't know where you live. Sometimes we live kind of in this fog about what's going on in the world around us. And we're, as long as, you know, as, as long as there's food on my table, as, as, as long as everybody's happy at my house. No, I know where you live. Now listen, what impacts me impacts you. What impacts you impacts me. I, I've told you this before. Listen, listen. If you don't have any groceries in your house and I'm eating dinner, I'm impacted. Do you understand? If you're in need and I, and, and I don't know about that, that concerns me. That hits me in my heart. Do you feel the same way? Look around the room. If somebody's going through it, do we love one another? Do we care? This is the city of Pergamum, which was situated about 50 miles northeast of Smyrna. You'll notice Smyrna was about 50 miles from Ephesus. And then we have Pergamum, which is about 50 miles from Smyrna. It was sort of, Ephesus was sort of the New York City of the Roman Empire. Smyrna was the Chicago of the Roman Empire. And Pergamum was the Washington, D.C. of the Roman Empire. It was the center cog for Rome's operations there in Asia. It was considered the seat of Satan. Now, don't get your political affiliations up in the air. I tell you, I know D.C. is where Satan sits. So when I, when I say this, uh, government is always the place where the spirit of Antichrist re re resides. If you don't, if you say, I ain't praying for anybody in, in the White House. I ain't praying for anybody in Congress. I, go ahead on with your bad self, all right? Just disobey the word of God, all right? You're supposed to be praying because the decisions that they make there specifically, listen, listen to me, the most important decisions that are made in government are about the ability of the gospel of Jesus Christ to continue to spread across our land. No, no. You say, no, there's more important. No. There is nothing more important than God's agenda in government. That's why Satan likes to sit there and whisper into the ears of every Republican, Democrat, Independent, Socialist that is there. Because he wants to make sure that we don't have the ability to do what we're doing right now. And that's what had happened in Pergamum because the gospel of Jesus was spreading and there was a man by the name of Antipas. Uh, so uh, Antipas uh, died for refusing to denounce the Lord Jesus. He would not renounce the name of Jesus. Now he could have renounced it and been okay, but he would not renounce the name of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, one of the things that was happening in Pergamum was there was, a, there was a pagan temple specifically set up for Caesar, where they worshiped Caesar. You've got to be careful when it comes to government. They'll want you to worship them. You hear me? Don't, don't worship the government.
One of the reasons I don't mind putting my hand on my heart and saying the Pledge of Allegiance, I love that under God part. Anybody else love that? One nation what? Under God. One nation what? Under God. So when I get to that under God part, and just so you know, in, in, in some years, and this has been challenged before, there have been, there have been all kinds of people that have tried to take under God out of your pledge. Okay? So if they take it out, I'm still saying under God. Can I get an amen? amen. So, so you understand that. Antipas refused to renounce God and pledge his, his allegiance to a God named Caesar. And he would, not, he would not participate in paganism. There was all kinds of false gods and false temples there. And because of that, they took him and they took a bronze bull that was hollowed out. And they put him inside of it and built a fire underneath it and cooked him alive inside of that. Now, at any time, as the fire heated up, he could have shouted, I renounce Jesus. I renounce, but he refused to, and he gave his very life for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know. Anybody appreciate that? I don't know. Listen, you might say, well, I would never renounce Jesus. And I'm saying in our culture, people renounce their faith for all kinds of things, much less than that. We renounce our faith for cultural acceptance, for money, for convenience, for popularity. Come on. I just want to be a part of the crowd. I just want to be accepted. If someone asks you if you are a Christian, sometimes we are so busy qualifying our answers that we almost deny his name. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm not like all those other Christians, though. I, and then we throw in this. I'm not religious or anything. Thing. So basically, you have no moral value. Well, not like other people have moral value. It doesn't really matter. And then they look at your life. Well, you call yourself a Christian. You're doing that. And you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. You ain't no What Basically, what you're doing is kind of living there on the edge somewhere. So if, if somebody doesn't like you, you can be like them. Am I preaching okay? We, we, have, we have a similar crisis in our own city. Virginia Beach only became a city 66 years ago. It was a small vacation spot on the Atlantic. How many have ever been to First Landing? Anybody been to First Landing? How many have been on Fort Story where the cross is, where they, where they initially uh, planted a flag uh, in, on, on, uh, in April 26, 1607? They planted, excuse me, a cross and claimed this land in the name of Jesus Christ. They came in the name of Christ. They came as a people who longed to worship freely. But paganism was a part of our culture. And uh, how many love Virginia Beach? Anybody loves living in the city of Virginia Beach? How many have ever been to the pagan temple in Virginia Beach? Okay, there is a pagan temple in Virginia Beach. It's A-R-E. A-R-E is a pagan temple. Edgar Cayce's Center for Research and Enlightenment is pagan. Edgar Cayce was a demonized man. He had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. He went into trances and he spoke all of these. And some of the things were kind of helpful, you know, ideas about things that you could do. However, he was demonized and he has volumes of libraries of his demonized words. Now, it doesn't come off to you and I like demonized. It comes off very nicely, okay? It seems so calm. That's what paganism really is, all right? That's really the things that it kind of hooks up with. You, you get that. Preston, we were... 
we were talking yesterday at, at, at dinner. We were sitting there at uh, Guad's <laughs> having a little dinner, and, and he was talking about they were researching witches. Anybody seen witchcraft? I mean, they witchcraft. I mean, it's no big deal. They have like pointy hats, and they, they ride on brooms. There, there are some really frightening uh, reasonings that they have those particular things. Really, witches were early drug dealers. All right? That's what they were. They were drug dealers. When you see the bruise and the things like that, don't ask me about the broom. You'll have to research that yourself. All right? The reason that they wrote on the broom was really kind of disgusting. But uh, I'm telling you that all of that is paganism. I'm going to say this again. Edgar Casey was demonized. He was a vehicle of the enemy. At one time, he was a Methodist, but eventually, he renounced Christ because he started having all of these visions and all of these. He would lie down on the couch, and he would go into these trances and it would begin to tell people that it was it's it's kind of like a beautiful side of evil do you understand in fact there's a book called beautiful side of the evil where where he would actually seem to be doing good things but he was destroying the lives of people and eventually he recanted he renounced the lord jesus he said that jesus was not the son of god he was just a good man that you could follow but his his death meant nothing he recounted everything and now there is a temple that is in virginia beach that we think is a wonderful tourist spot. Before I ever knew there was an ARE, when I first moved here, God gave me a dream, and I saw that particular building, and God spoke to me about it, about its heathenism and about its paganism. Listen, don't go there. Don't go there for school. Don't go there for class. Don't buy anything. Listen, if somebody wants to give you a little charm stone, don't wear it. Throw it away. Take it. Say, I'll take it, and then throw it in the trash as fast as you possibly can. These things are all... Okay, now, now this is tough, okay? And I'm going to tell you why, all right? Uh, it's difficult because of the truth of God's word. Uh, sometimes when you preach the truth today, there is a fear that people will leave the church. And so now we're taking God's word and we're making it culturally acceptable so that we don't lose our pastoral paychecks. All right? I'm going to preach the truth anyway because we're going, listen, we're fighting for the church. Okay, getting quiet in here. In case you didn't know, I gave you all kinds of scriptures in Leviticus 19, Revelation 21, and 2 Corinthians 11 regarding those. I don't, I'm not preaching. I'm not giving that other guy any more time. We must fight for the purity of our faith. Okay? We believe that the Bible is God's word. It is accurate. It is authoritative and applicable to our lives. Well, let, me, let me tell you. These are the things that we believe. Let me tell you what we believe. We believe that the Bible is God's word. Amen? This is a doctrine of the church. I believe there's a slide with that in it somewhere. We believe in one eternal God, right, who is the creator of all things. He exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is totally loving and completely holy. We believe that sin has separated each of us from God and his purpose for our lives. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, as both God and man, is the only one who can reconcile us to God. He lived a sinless and an exemplary life, died on the cross in our place, and rose again to prove his victory and empower us for life. Somebody shout, we believe. We believe. 
we believe that in order to receive forgiveness and the new birth, we must repent of our sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and submit to his will for our lives. Somebody shout, we we believe that in order to live uh, the holy and fruitful lives that God intends for us, we need to be baptized in water and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit enables us to use the, His power to, to, to communicate with God, to walk in power, to communicate with God, and operate in supernatural gifts. We believe, shout it, in the power and significance of the church and the necessity of believers to meet regularly together for fellowship, prayer, worship, and the breaking of bread. We, we believe that God has individually equipped us so that we can successfully achieve his purpose for our lives, which is to worship God, fulfill our role in the church, and to serve the community in which we live. Shout it. We that God wants to heal and transform us, that we can live healthy and blessed lives in order to help others more effectively. We believe that our eternal destination of either heaven or hell is determined by our response to the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again just like he promised. How many believe we have to fight for our faith? Yes. Sometimes you have to fight yourself. Yes. We also need to fight for our family. Yes. He says this in Revelation 2 to Pergamon, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrifice to idols, and committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also uh, have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans, which we talked about last Sunday. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Again, after commending Pergamon, Pergamum, he is a loving Lord, praise God, and as a loving Lord gets real about things that need to be changed. And he brings up two things, eating food sacrificed to idols and committing sexual immorality. And this is, this is compared to an Old Testament story about a psychic named Balaam. Balaam was a psychic, okay? So when you see psychics, the word of God over and 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 over again to stay away from psychics. Stay away from astrology. Stay away from soothsayers. Why am I having to say this so much? Because we like that stuff. And the church plays around. I hear it all the time. All right? All the time. All right? Don't go to the lady with the crystal ball. All right? Okay. I've already... Don't, the Holy Spirit's stirring me up. All right? And, and this was... Uh, Balaam brought an underhanded attack against Israel in which he gives Balak another plan, causing the people of Israel to fall into godlessness. All right? Now, here's the idea. Here's what Balaam told Balak. He said, look, if you want to defeat Israel... Here's what you do. God's word is true. So if you can get them to fall into godlessness, God will fight against them. Did you hear me? Do you remember that reckless love song we were singing? All right? And how he chases us down. You know, he kicks walls down. How many love that? All right? All right? Sometimes when he's chasing, have you ever been chased down before? Anybody ever played football before and got tackled? And you got up and said, oh, that felt good. Doesn't it? Okay? 
How many have ever been tackled by God before? Chased down. Listen, God loves you so much that he will let you experience the ramifications of your choices. You receive that? Say, no, no matter what I do, God always blesses me. No, 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 no. There are people that have millions of dollars who've lived godless lives and regret it. Listen, they committed, watch this. They, what they did is they sent prostitutes and, and promiscuous spies into the land of Israel and Israel succumbed to their flirtations and committed sexual sin. Let me pause. I love this teaching. I love this letter because it reminds us that godliness and righteousness is still God's plan. Amen. Anybody believe that? Amen. Do you? <laughs> really? So, hmm. How many know God is good and God is gracious? How many know God is good? Now watch this, Jude 3. Jude verse 3. Dear friends, I had eagerly planned to write, I, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we will share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into the churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows them to live immoral lives. How many have ever believed that? Come on, let's all lift our hand, all right? We all on occasion believe this. God's gracious, he doesn't mind. Morality doesn't matter anymore. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? All right, now, just a couple of thoughts here. One, the understanding of adultery... Is, was paganism. You were joining yourself to another God. All right? Now, get the second point, though. Your body is not your own. Sexual, sexual immorality is not just a sin against your body. It's also a sin against your posterity, against future generations. Come on, Living Waters, will you help me out just here a little bit? Do you not agree that some of you would not be in the mess you are right now if mom and dad would have fixed some stuff a long time ago? Now, I'm not asking you to transfer it. It's on your table right now. You're going to have to deal with it. God wants to set you free. But when you walk into brokenness and you call it godliness, then the next generation ends up broken. I don't want to leave the topic here. You see, we live in this strange age in the church. Again, we're telling the truth. feels as though you're attacking people. People say, oh, you're judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm no better than you. That's what judgment means. For me to look at you and say, I'm better than you. I'm not better than you. Come on, I failed before. Anybody else failed before? So you look at me like you never sinned. Come on, I'm going to lift both my hands up, all my fingers, all right? How many have ever sinned? Lift your hands. Anybody in this house? How many have ever been convicted by the Holy Spirit that your life needs to shift? Anybody? And thought, I just can't do it because basically what you're doing, listen, sexual immorality becomes your drug of choice to make you feel better about yourself. Jesus, help me preach this. Then he talks about the sword of the Lord, the sword of his mouth. This is a special kind of sword. It was used against the Romans. It was, a, it was both a sword and a spear. It could cut and also be thrown. And uh, some of you right now just got hit by a sword. And you're saying, what should I do? And I'm going to tell you. All right? 
This is, this is a lovely Sunday. We have a picnic. All right? Here you go. Get out of bed with someone that you are not married to. Okay? If you're not married to them, don't be sleeping with them. Can you, say, can you still say that in church? Can you still say that? But, but pastor, we're... No, no, just stop. All right? You say, that's kind of judgmental. No, I'm not better than you. I'm just saying sin no longer has power over you. And don't just do it for yourself. Do it for your family. I don't have any kids. Do it for your future family. Do it for the family of God. Fight against lasciviousness. Fight against it. Get help. You may be the second generation after sexual brokenness, and you may feel a pull towards this brokenness. Stand up and fight. Get a brother or a sister to fight with you. Get in a small group. Join Living Waters. Go to discipleship. Come talk to your pastor. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to rescue you. Because God loves you. All right, everybody stand up. I got to be finished, all right? Fight for your future. Somebody shout it. Fight for your future. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it. So hidden manna speaks of the blessings of the people of Israel in the wilderness. Anybody know that? And the white stone was a statement of innocence. One day we will stand before the Lord, and when he comes... I don't want to have a question. We are the church of the future. I'm going to, come on, anybody with me? I'm going to, I'm going to eat the bread of heaven, the bread of life, and I'll never die. I'll never suffer. And he says, I'm going to give you a stone. He says, go ahead and put your trust in the work of the cross of Jesus, and I'll give you a white stone. That basically was a stone that was given from a judge to someone who was, had been adjudicated, and, he, and, and if he gave you a white stone, that meant you're innocent of all charges. We're the church of the future. Here's our, here's our blessed hope. Revelation 7 and 9. I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice. Shout it. Everybody shout it. Salvation who sits on the throne. You may not know this, but I know it. Get this. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Wave at me. Anybody know it? Jesus is coming back. And uh, I don't plan to be wearing plaid on that day. I get a, I'm going to wear a white robe. Signifying the white stone that I get in my hand. The purity that the Lord grants me. I'm not going to go to heaven because... I lived a perfect life. I'm going to go to heaven because Jesus died for me on the cross. Amen. Your good works will not save you. Only the cross of Jesus will save you. Amen. But when you get saved and you've died of sin, the Holy Spirit comes into you and you say, why is the Holy Spirit coming to you? To give you power to live. Holy Spirit, just say, Holy Spirit, come. Is the Holy Spirit come? Watch what he'll do in your life. Father, I thank you for what you've taught us today in this word. I thank you because... This is a church worth fighting for because we are family. We choose to love you. We choose to serve you. And we've learned from your very words to the church at Pergamon. We've learned, Lord Jesus, that we live in a city. And Satan actually has a dwelling place here. And we understand that. 
But Lord, we have chosen to be children of the Most High God. And you have adopted us and we are part of your family. And you love us and you fight for us. And today, Lord, as we stand here, we restate that we are your children. We are your family. And we will fight for you. No matter what it requires, we will never renounce your name and we'll give our life for the work of the church of Jesus. We thank you that we're a part of this good church and we ask blessings upon it in Jesus' name. Amen. I had two things I want to do. First, give me some prayer workers over here to my left. Just a few prayer workers over to my left. Some of you might be struggling. I mean, some of the things that I said might have even challenged you. Some of you might be struggling. Whatever your struggle is, over here to my left right now, I have some prayer workers, okay? Some prayer workers that are standing here, okay? And uh, I want you to just go ahead and start moving in the direction. You need prayer for your family or help. I want you to come. Now, I've got a lot of prayer workers. Just squeeze on over there, okay? I'll tell you what. Why don't you spread out all the way around? Spread out all the way around so people can get you. Spread way out, all right? All right, now, you can come for prayer or you can come for declaration. How many believe freedom is a good church? Anybody believe that? How many would say it's my church? Somebody shout, it's my church. And somebody shout, freedom is family. You got that? So where are you? You got me? You got me something? Good. You got a gift for everybody today. All right. You got some? All right. I got a brand new bracelet I've been wearing for about a week, so I got one for everybody else. All right. It just says freedom is family on it. It's got a heart and a tree. All right. Anybody want one? Making a declaration. I'm not giving them out at the front. At the back, I'm giving them out at the front today. All right? We'll be all the way up here on the platform, Diane and I. All right? Got a brand new ministry parade. There you go, sis. All right? Now listen, if you need prayer, you got to come up here. Yeah, you got to come up here. You going to hold my bucket? Yeah, there you go. Okay, are you ready? If you need prayer, I want you to come to one of these for prayer. All right? If you need help in your family, help in your home, if you need to give your life to Jesus, okay? Go ahead and start moving up to the front, okay? And uh, you throwing them? She's throwing them at people. All right? All right. They got to come up here. They got to come up here. Sandy, Jesus, touch Sandy right now. All right? Listen, look. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Remember, on the way out the door today also... You'll find people sitting at a table. If you'd like to sign up for ministry involvement or talk to somebody about it, we have representatives from every team outside in that 50-degree weather waiting to see you. And also remember that we have a picnic that's going on today at Red Wing Park. May the Lord bless you. If you want prayer, come for prayer. If you'd like a bracelet, come up front and we'll give you a bracelet. Give me a bunch of those.